They have come from the cold, far reaches of space. Roger, TACOM. Unidentified aircraft. To conquer our world. Request permission to fire. And to enslave our people forevermore. He's disappeared. That is, until the Balthark hit the spinning Crinor. Greetings. I seek that techno-industrial complex where I might obtain two or three semnats of platinum paste. This time of night, huh? After our text exchange about Alkaline Trio today... Uh, as uh, as we usually do as as we do with some regularity i went back and i listened to um from here to infirmary oh yes and uh i forgot about the lyric if assholes could fly this place would be busier than o'hare <laughs> what up chicago yeah it's and that's you know and that's the thing is alkaline tree one one of several bands that i think really exemplifies chicago excellence yeah there been, there's a yeah. youtube video of uh matt and dan going through chicago and like showing the camera like where they lived mm-hmm. and just like around chicago and i was just like wow i should move there because every band that i love is from there it's true i mean where else are you gonna get uh alkaline trio rise against uh chevelle oh <laughs> chevelle yeah hey remember chevelle yeah i do When I caught a reflection of you and me Staring back at us while frozen on the screen Crack the white noise and pretend that we're asleep That we're asleep Hey everyone, welcome back to Probably Shoulda, celebrating comedy that is aged very poorly. Oh, I'm sorry, I read that in my notes wrong. Let me try again. (laughs) Greetings, prepare for auditory consumption of mass celebration of comedic art whose value has diminished over time. (laughs) I'm Tony Ginocchio, and my co-host is hilarious and wonderful, and if if we were anchoring Weekend Update right now, she'd call me an ignorant slut. It's Nadia Vasquez. Thank you. Hello. What a what an incredible intro, dude. I you know I'm proud of some of the intros I've written. Um, the grease one, the, the grease one, one, I liked that one. Loved the grease one. I think about that sometimes when I'm like cleaning <laughs> or like driving. I'm just like that was really good. And the last Airbender one we did for Ted, I really liked that one too. That that one Um, was excellent as well. But this one was great. I feel like you did what the writers of this movie did was just, which is to just open a thesaurus. Just kind of, just kind (laughs) of go with your first idea and don't go back and tweak it and punch it up (laughs) in any way. Absolutely no editing, but 100% commitment. Yeah, so, folks, if we're calling each other ignorant sluts here, you know we're talking about Dan Aykroyd and Jane Curtin, (laughs) and you know that we have to be talking about Coneheads from 1993, directed by Steve Barron. Wow, what a movie. This (laughs) This movie is, I think, the most fine that we've ever watched. This is the most I've multitasked, I think. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> while watching a movie. Me too. You know, it's really hard in general. I think it's the ADHD. It's really hard for me to sit down and watch a complete movie. Nowadays, movies are over two hours. Can't do it. These SNL ones have been great. They've been 90 minutes. I 90 ha- minutes on the dot. On the dot. I've been able to sit on my butt, not look at my phone for the most part. It depends on which movie. Looking at my phone, you know, getting up to get a snack. Like, for the most part, I'm engaged. But with this one, I kind of don't remember what happened. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we'll we'll talk about We'll talk about it. Um, so the thing about Coneheads is this movie came out in 1993. 1992 was the year Wayne's World came out. Wayne's World, of course, was a movie based on a sketch that was currently airing on SNL mm-hmm. at the time. Uh, it was a huge uh, success 
Lauren was like, holy shit, we got to start making more SNL movies. What are we going to do next year? I know. I'm going to take this sketch that aired 11 times between the years 1977 and 1979. It hasn't been on television at all in 14 years. And the entire concept is based on one time Dan Aykroyd got stoned out of his mind. Uh, And... Uh, I think everyone will show up to the movie theaters to see the Coneheads, and they did not. <laughs> he was wrong. <laughs> um, so uh, it is. Uh, it, it, it like I don't even. It, it like it, describing the plot would be a waste of time. So instead, I'm gonna just read the very short section of the Wikipedia article on Coneheads titled "Source of Humor." <laughs> The character's humor derives from three sources. One, their manner of speech. Two, their strange behavior. And three, the casual acceptance of the first two by their neighbors and associates, who never seem to catch on that they are extraterrestrials. I bet's the part of the movie I really liked. Right, and that that's the only part of the Conehead sketch in general I think works, is just everyone else just being totally fine with it. Yeah, they're like, they actually fall in love with the family. They're like, great, I, I'm yeah. your friend, I'm your pal. And, and in fact, there is one gag late in the film where someone notices that they have cones for heads, and everybody's like, don't listen to that fucking guy. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. So, you know, this is a movie based on that sketch. It's like uh, Dan Aykroyd and Jane Curtin play the two Coneheads who crash land on Earth and are stranded there for several years, or Zerls, as they call them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they establish an undercover life for themselves as humans. Uh, they have a daughter who grows up to be 16 years old and wants to fuck Chris Farley, who <laughs> I believe is older than she is in the movie, and uh, we can get into age gap discourse for the Coneheads later. Yeah, do not uh, like that part of the movie. <laughs> Uh, they eventually go back to Remulac uh, for the final 20 minutes of the film, which I would say uh, could have been cut entirely. Yeah. Um, the film has an aggressively 1993 cast that includes Sinbad, Jason Alexander, Michael Richards, and Jan Hooks. <laughs> and uh, and uh, the bad guy is Ice. <laughs> yeah. Not like iced tea or vanilla no. ice. No, like... Immigration and Customs Enforcement. <laughs> yeah. Played which, by Michael McKeon and David Spade. Which I'm like, so... It's very sad that that's still the case. That the, yeah. <laughs> the villain is In still... Fact, that they've gotten way worse since this movie came out. <laughs> exactly. You'd think they'd learn. Exactly. But at least these guys weren't armed. <laughs> yes, that's... Jesus. Oh, <laughs> God. A lot of, there's a lot of lot of scenes with them in this movie. I'm like, well, that hits different. Yeah. Uh, which is, I guess, the purpose of this show. It is. It is. They gave us a lot to talk about, but they, as far as, like, the meat and potatoes of it, there's not much of it. No. It's not like um, this is a nutritious meal. You know what I mean? N- no, this is a, this is a, not even a full bag of Cheetos. This is. <laughs> this, this is, is the, f- the half bag of Cheetos that you left in there because right. you got too full from eating it the, like, the first yeah. round. You're like, well, I shouldn't eat a whole bag in one. Yeah. Thing. And That's so you're like, okay, I'm, you don't even put the little chip, the chip no, clip on no, it. You it's just, just roll open. it up. You kind of roll it up and kind of lean it to the side of the cupboard and it opens up over time and gets like a little stale. Like that's what this movie is. So, so as you can tell, uh, we're raring to go on this. Um, uh, Nadia, Saturday Night Live, 1993. Dan Aykroyd and Jane Curtin, uh, neither of them on the show, in the cast at all. Not at all. Uh, So talk to me about what was going on. I'd love to. Um, So Coneheads was actually uh, debuted, I guess, on episode... 35, which was season two, episode 11, which was uh, January 15th, 1977. Can't believe that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's a very former, former current event. But this movie was released, like you said, way later in 93 <laughs> during season 19. Um, the repertory players were pretty stacked, I gotta say. We had... And th- and sorry to interrupt, but this is the year before, like, everything fell apart, right? Yeah, and they yeah. had, they fired everyone and brought everyone back, so right before that. Yeah, exactly. So, we had Ellen Cleghorn, Chris Farley, may he rest in peace, Phil Hartman, may he rest in rest peace, in peace. Melanie Hutzel, 
Michael McKean was brought on in the middle of the season because they needed an old guy, and he was the <laughs> oldest cast member to ever join until Leslie Jones, who joined at age 47. So he was 41 when he joined. Uh, Tim Meadows, our the <laughs> friend of the pod. Tim our Meadows. friend, yeah. Mike Myers, our other friend. Uh, Kevin Nealon was the host of Weekend Update that season. We also had Adam Sandler. Rob Schneider, <laughs> Rob Schneider, what's up? David Spade and enemy of the pod, Julia Sweeney. Uh, our, our featured players, featured players were Al Franken, Norm Macdonald, Jay Moore, and Sarah Silverman. Oh boy! Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's uh, Sarah Silverman. Uh, famously only on for one season, both as a writer and a performer, and yeah. I don't think got a single thing on the air. Super, super sad, but she moved yeah. on to do some other things that were great and terrible all at once. And, yeah, and also, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, as we know, SNL is basically, it's time capsule of the season it was uh, aired. So <laughs> the hosts for this 1993 season were very funny uh we had charles barkley who did host again in 2010 okay um we also had jeff goldblum rosie o'donnell mm-hmm. sally field martin lawrence who did a yes monologue that featured some i guess dirty jokes about tampons and he was yeah, banned about yeast infections about yes. yeast infections and he was banned from the show from there and we also had heather locklear which was like the anticlimactic uh season finale yeah feels very 1993 yes and um, the musical guests also time capsule we had <laughs> janet jackson pearl jam snoop doggy dog when that was his name cypress hill and nirvana this was also the year before kurt cobain died Oh, that's very sad. Yes, it's super sad. Uh, But this was also the year that Wayne's World 2 was released. Mm -hmm. And it did half as well as the original at the box office, which was really sad. Uh, And then, of course, the next year is when we got It's Pat. So we're getting a lot of really mediocre (laughs) shit. It is truly... It is truly after Wayne's World. They're like, we can definitely coast on this and followed it with Wayne's World 2, Coneheads, It's Pat, Stuart Saves His Family. <laughs> and then they were like, we're going to take a few years off. Yeah. It's kind of like when <laughs> it's kind of like when you're like a student and you're doing really well in school and you're acing all these tests and you're like, I don't have to work this hard. I'm acing all the tests. And then you keep getting C's on everything because you stop studying. This is exactly what this is. They just kind of stopped quality control. The It's nuts that um, you said Jeff Goldblum hosted, and obviously he would have been plugging Jurassic Park in 93, yeah. right? Yeah. This movie came out the same year as Jurassic Park, and I've talked before about how, like, if I see bad visual effects, I'm like, okay, did this come out before or after Jurassic Park? <laughs> this movie comes out the same year as Jurassic Park. It has, like, fucking Ray Harryhausen ass Dalmatian. Yeah. <laughs> In the, in the final scene with fighting the Garthok, which again is a scene we should have uh, cut. Yeah, entirely. it was like watching in something from Wallace and Gromit. It was really it, not good. <laughs> it was not good. Uh, it was worse than Wallace and Gromit. It, well, well, absolutely, in terms of the humor. I mean, Wallace yeah. and Gromit is, is top it's shelf. untouchable. <laughs> but in any event... Um, the Conehead sketch, you know, the, I, I joked about how it was based on one time Aykroyd got stoned out of his mind, but that is actually uh, how it came about. Uh, that nice. is what Dan Aykroyd says. Like, yeah, I just smoked a lot of weed and I thought it would be funny if we did this. Yeah. Uh, you know, when you're, when everyone is smoking weed, everybody <laughs> thinks it's funny, but not this entire audience. I don't think a lot of them smoke weed. Uh, also, also the, the last thing I will say uh, before we get into the details of this film, is there are four credited screenwriters on the film, and we've talked about this before, but <laughs> once you get past two, yeah. you're in trouble. You got a problem. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, it just to, I watched this as a kid. <laughs> I, I did. I remember watching it because it was on, it was like Hitch. It was on. It, it was on all the time. It was on all the time. I don't remember what channel it was, but I do remember feeling tickled by the idea that these people had huge heads and that nobody cared. Now, watching it again as an adult, it's the only part of the movie that I liked. Yeah, and it's like, 
it, so this movie was on all the time, and I, my wife specifically was was like, "Oh, you're watching Coneheads? Yeah, I watched that like twenty times as a kid." Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, and and you're right that like the joke that they're very obviously aliens because their heads are giant cones, um, and <laughs> and everybody's just like, "Oh, those neighbors are a little wacky." Um, is on paper very funny and very funny. I would say for for maybe about. Uh, I would say the length of a sketch, let's yeah. say. like like yeah. five minutes or less. Could you say three <laughs> minutes? <laughs> um, but a ninety-minute film uh, really starts to grate on you. <laughs> yeah. And again, this is uh, easily the most I have multitasked. Yeah. Yeah, d- with the the, the, the rules of sketch comedy always say that you have to establish the game and then you have to heighten it as much as possible. Yeah. I don't feel like they did much heightening. I feel like they just kind of were like, what if we just had a normal story about the American dream? Yeah. But making it about Coneheads, but there are absolutely no stakes and this is the only movie with no stakes that doesn't work. It's... <laughs> It's immigrant, and then at the end they're like, "We need steaks, so we'll put in a monster uh, yeah. that that we borrowed from the set of Jason and the Argonauts." Yes, uh, and it just it is. Um, I didn't care for it. Is yeah. what I'm gonna say. It, but um, it's not as bad as some that we've already seen. Th- so that's I'm true. not like, hostile towards it. Like, no, that's the thing. Is I don't hate this. I don't. I hated its pat. I was angry right. at its pat. I'm not angry at this. I feel nothing. I'm yes. dead inside it, when I see this. <laughs> it's like the opposite of Shark Tale. Yes. It's, the yeah. I never thought I would say that I was indifferent to something because I general I go either way. Either I hate right. something or I love it. If if I'm really in the middle with indifference, I forget about it immediately, and that's where I am here. That's yeah. So with that said. <laughs> Let's get in. <laughs> let's see how long we can talk about this movie. Um, we open on, don't we open on NASA? Like, yeah, because they're showing the reality of the American dream, which is when you have a job, you watch TV while you're there. Honestly, respect. Um, <laughs> and uh, specifically, uh, there's a NASA guy watching an episode of Star Trek, the original series. And did I know which episode it was? Yeah, it was Arena, the one where <laughs> Kirk fights the Gorn. It's a classic. Uh <laughs> Thank you. But he almost misses uh, a spaceship fucking landing uh, in the harbor in New York. Oh, another another note that I was very excited about is that this one did not take place in Chicago. It does not. It's a shame because you, you miss the establishing shots of the greatest city in the world. <laughs> uh, but... Uh, but you do see New York, which is almost as good, and so it's fine. Uh, and, and then a lot of uh, like suburban North Jersey uh, as well. Right. <laughs> but uh, so the Coneheads, uh, being uh, Dan Aykroyd and Jane Curtin, uh, and I'm it's Beldar and Priam, I think are their names, but I'm just going to call them Dan Aykroyd but and Jane who cares? Curtin. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> I, who are both, by the way, obviously very talented performers, and both. As committed, I think, as you can possibly be to this bit. Yeah. Uh, but the bit is not very good. Yeah. It's hard It's hard when you want to commit to something that is emotionless. Yes. That's a really good point, actually. Thank you. Because um, you have to have... I should have this... a podcast. <laughs> you have to have this just very flat affect when you yeah. deliver lines as a conehead. And, like... Jane Curtin's whole thing, we'll get into this later, Jane Curtin was named the Queen of Deadpan by CBS News. Like, her whole thing was, was you know, um, reacting to things and deadpan lines. Maybe she's not the right uh, casting choice for a loopy alien with a big pointy head. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah, it's it's tough because, you know, you want to you wanna root for your characters because they have an emotional um, goal. Right. But when your characters have no emotion... What is their goal? And I think that's why the movie meanders so much. I think that's an excellent point. Thank you. Um, but I would like to talk about Michael Richards being in this now. Wow. First of <laughs> all, he has one choice and it's just on. When they land in a rainy part of New York and they head to a motel 
and uh, Dan Aykroyd, you see his cone and his scary teeth, and he rings a bell at a hotel to get a room, and Michael Richards just does a Kramer and yeah. kind of freaks out, and uh, that is just, that's his choice until later when he decides to use the choice and go on a racist tirade. <laughs> Which was really sad. Uh, yeah, so you yeah, you don't mean later in the movie. You mean like later in Michael Richards' career. In his career, yeah. No, he's, he's only in the movie for like two minutes. Yeah, very very small role. And you see him, you're like, oh, wow, I guess it is 1993. Hey, I wonder why that guy didn't do more stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and then, uh, yeah, he just basically, you know, it's Dan Aykroyd. It, it's still dressed as a conehead, dressed in a big like alien robe as well. Yeah. Um, you know, asking uh, where where the fucking president is or whatever, and and Michael Richards is like, yeah, I'm just a night manager. I'm kind of new to the area. I don't really know it. Not reacting at all to the cone on the guy's head. Yeah. Uh, or um, the fact that Dan Aykroyd is like dropping a bunch of coins on the desk and being like, we shall renumerate with metallic tender discs. Yeah, there. The, you know who? You know who I think really benefited from this movie. Tom DeLong. Do you think that he was inspired by the idea that like an alien can come and that nobody would notice? Okay, so yeah, so first of all, shout out friend of the show, Tom DeLong. Tommy. Um, we we love your work and all of your bands. But No, uh, not we, Angels and Airwaves. We love all of your bands equally the same amount. Yeah, we I think did love Boxcar Racer was good. <laughs> is the official position of this podcast that Angels and Airwaves, Boxcar Racer, and Blink one eighty two were equally good no. bands. <laughs> but but uh I think he, yes, I think he bought into that. But the other thing you got to keep in mind is Dan Aykroyd also thinks aliens are real now. Well, I mean, we all know that aliens are real. That's true. That's actually been proven now. Yeah. A lot of people are arguing, first of all, I'm going on a long tangent because this movie sucks. A lot of people are arguing that it doesn't necessarily mean aliens. It just means unidentified flying whatever. Right, could be like a military vehicle from another country or something. Yeah, and I'm like, no. No, it's aliens. Tommy DeLonge did not leave the band to go and start a band about aliens. And it's not like Blink-182 fell apart. Like, they're still putting out stuff. He could have had a career there. Absolutely. Also, Matt Skiba from Alkaline Trio joined the band. And it's I really mean, we, lo- good. we love Matt Skiba, We obviously. love Matt Skiba. Friend I of the show, Matt Skiba. Future husband of co-host of the show, Matt Skiba. <laughs> Listen, I'm just saying that part of why I don't think that this works in a lot of ways is that people are not reacting truthfully and honestly to the Coneheads. Which is, we know... From UCB, a school of comedy that we respect as much as we respect the discography of Angels and Airwaves, uh, is the key to, like, good um, uh, comedy that resonates with people. Yes. And on the one hand, it would be it would be cool to see people react honestly and truthfully and be like, oh, this is a little bit weird, but then grow to love the Coneheads, to just ignore everything. It, it hurts a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, a lot of just wastes of time in the next couple scenes. Yeah. Uh, it's them sniffing and eating stuff. They just eat anything. Um. Yeah. Jane Curtin does read the Bible and laugh, though, which I thought was very funny. That's, that's good. That's good. Uh, the, uh, Dan Aykroyd gets a job, uh, right away at the appliance repair shop working for Sinbad because it is, once again, 1993. We love Sinbad. And, anything uh, with Sinbad in it, I will watch it. Absolutely. Jingle all the way. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> also, um, what's that one? House Guest. Loved that one. Yes. What an incredible um, movie. No, but so, the other thing that I wanted to point out is that there were really traditional gender roles on the <laughs> planet of Snarlack or whatever it's called. Uh, Remulac. Remulac. Because Dan Aykroyd goes to work and Jane Curtin stays home and makes dinner. And I'm like, what's going on here? <laughs> Where's the feminism in Remulac? I just who's the who's the conehead equivalent of J.K. Rowling that's like <laughs> that's like it was a beloved children's author at one point and now just spends all day on Remulac just posting gender is assigned at birth. Uh, <laughs> Whatever their name is, they yeah. suck. Um, so. <laughs> 
<laughs> he goes to work for Sinbad at the appliance repair shop. He is a very talented appliance repair man. Sinbad loves him. Uh, and he's also um, stealing uh, machine parts because they're trying to rebuild, basically, their, their communications apparatus so they can get back in touch with their planet. Right. Um, so he goes back to his trailer with Jane Curtin at some point, and she's like, it is time to consume mass quantities, which is what they call eating. She's like, I have re-radiated starchy lunch disc, which is what they call microwaving a pizza. <laughs> and, uh, if you're like, wow, that's not that funny. Well, don't worry. We got 85 minutes to go. <laughs> and so, uh, they do get in touch with their contact, uh, back on the Cone planet, who is, uh, Phil Hartman, the great Phil Hartman. May he rest in peace. Uh, rest in peace. I wish he had more to do because he's, uh, one of, one of my favorite just comedic minds in general, just the, the combination of game show host voice and <laughs> extremely dark, uh, window through which he looks at the world, yeah. uh, was very moving for me. Um, so they're stranded on earth. They got to stay there for seven zeros. Um, and... Jane Curtin is, uh, is with Cone. <laughs> She's pregnant, and yeah. you see a shot of her tummy and a little cone head a little swimming cone across. Bump. Yeah. It was like ka-chow. It was, yeah. <laughs> it was really kind of gross, um, but unfortunately, they the cones the cone heads have run into a problem. Which is that, uh, you know, he needs his workman's comp and yes, his yeah. insurance and all his that I-9, stuff. Because yeah. guess what? He's got to get his social security number. And this becomes an immigration story. Yes. And so, first of all, he gets his social security number from a mobster. And obviously, <laughs> who are you going to cast to play a mobster? Italian-American but Adam Sandler. Adam Sandler. <laughs> is he Italian? No. <laughs> uh, and so... Uh, so he's playing, he gets the fake social from, uh, Sandler, uh, and that, uh, and there is a, there is a visual gag here, by the way, when he's in the car with Sinbad, where he's chewing bubblegum, but it's actually a condom, yeah. right? And he's just blowing air in the condom for his bubblegum. When Stacy, my wife, watched this movie as a kid, she didn't know that was a condom. Yeah. She thought it was some kind of cone-shaped bubblegum. Oh, that's cute. I yeah. thought I used to think it was a balloon. Right. Yeah. Which in some I mean, ways it is. in some ways. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, oh, so that's ahead. like, you know, the level of humor that we're at. A cone a condom piece of bubblegum. And uh and then it, like Nadia said because he uh, got a fake social, it sets off a Sets off a, a little bell at the uh, what was then called the Immigration and Naturalization Service (INS) uh, and what is what today would be called ICE, uh, and it's run uh, by racists, which is you know right. consistent, consistent, right? yeah. And, um, oh, America, you're really <laughs> just living up to your name. Uh, and it's uh, it's David Spade and Michael McKeon, uh, and right away we get some real quick evidence of their racism. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So there's, you know, people, there are people waiting to meet with the, the head guy of ICE, who's Michael McKeon, and David Spade is um, saying, no speako, uh, yeah. sit down-o. I'm, I'm better with English. All I hear now is clicking noises to people speaking Spanish. That doesn't make any sense. But, you know, that uh, you know, there for once, an SNL movie has a person of color in it. <laughs> <laughs> and it, you know... Again, it's kind of the same thing with, like, there's cops in all of these other films. There's ice in this film. But the message is, at least, that they're bad. Yeah, we like that. We like that. <laughs> and that they're incompetent. And also, Michael McKeon, in this scene, in the first scene we see him, he's pitching an idea about um, having electronic collars put on people so that if they cross the border, if they cross the southern border, they burst into flames. Yeah. Which is kind of horrifying now. Right. I'm sure it was then, but people <laughs> didn't care back then, I guess. <laughs> there were other things to worry about. But, uh, you know, we, we press on. <laughs> we press on because uh, Dan Aykroyd has to go to the dentist. Um, <clears throat> he's getting caps on all of his teeth. John Lovitz is the dentist. Um, <laughs> and uh, he's just got a very big mouth with, like, three rows of teeth. So that's... Like a shark? Yeah, so that that's there. Um, 
And then there's a fucking ice raid on their house. I know. It's really sad. Uh, they, they, we get to see how they sleep, which is standing up in a mattress with a hole cut out that's shaped like them. And yeah. they're awakened by authority figures, which are the ICE agents. And they right. corner them. They have to grab everything that they can as quickly as possible, including their communication device. And they blast a hole through the back of their trailer and escape, just very narrowly. But unfortunately, they their heads give them away. And now they, <laughs> they have some sort of profile on them. Yes. It's very A upsetting. literal profile that's shaped like a cone. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Exactly. So they move. Uh, they move to Jersey, I believe, at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, <clears throat> Beldar, Dan Aykroyd's character, gets a job driving a cab. One of his passengers is Drew Carey, because uh, it's 1993. Um, and he uh, also Beldar wears a turban when he's a cab driver, but still clearly has like six inches of cone exposed <laughs> above the turban, which is you know kind of funny, I guess. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine it's fine like everything else in this stupid fucking movie uh and then uh the other thing uh that happened is that um my wife was watching the movie with me at this point and this is where uh jane Curtin uh gives birth to their daughter connie uh and my wife is like oh great a dentist scene and a birth scene <laughs> Yeah, we really like, we don't like ICE, we don't like the government, but we do think doctors are cool. Doctors are, doctors are cool, but um, my my wife in particular hates, and I definitely don't enjoy, like, birth scenes which have, like, a mother <laughs> screaming while she delivers a baby. Yeah. And if it's an alien baby, oh man. Oh man, water squirting everywhere, and yeah. uh, screaming I hate you, Beldar, to her yeah. husband. Also, Sin- Sinbad's there. Like he's taking I pictures. Yeah, I didn't bring my boss to the birth <laughs> of our daughter. Well, no, they were his. They were their friends. This is okay. supposed to because the coneheads are really good. They're out. They're outgoing. They're friendly. Yeah, I was gonna say good people, but they're not yeah. people. They're aliens. So they're really good aliens, and they make friends. They're very close with the people that they work okay, with. But they're not people. They're aliens. Is also like what Michael McKeon is saying. <laughs> so it's You're actually right, super, I'm sorry. super problematic that you said that right now. Wow. Well, I mean, they're not humans. Right. Yes, that's fair. Okay. Okay, I'll, I'll, uh, my apologies. Oh my god, am I turning into J.K. Rowling? I am reading Harry Potter. <laughs> oh god. No spell can reawaken the dead Harry or change your gender. I did uh, notice and... that uh, when she writes about uh, Rita Skeeter, Rita Skeeter is a villain, obviously, and she yeah. has man hands. Okay, other thing, other <laughs> thing is in book six, which is mostly Dumbledore talking. Right. Uh, sorry, uh, I'm going to leave this all in the episode. But Please in book six, which is mostly Dumbledore talking and flashbacks to him meeting uh, Tom Riddle slash Voldemort, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, um, there's a flashback to Riddle going into Dumbledore's office and asking for the Defense Against the Dark Arts professor job, right? Right. And Dumbledore keeps calling him Tom. And then when they come out of the pensive, Dumbledore's like, you see what I did, Harry? I kept calling him Tom. I refused to meet him on his terms. I'm like, so you're <gasps> dead naming him. Oh, That's... my God. J.K. Rowling says dead naming is good. Wow. Well, we already know that she sucks. I did see, yeah, yeah. I, I did see a post that was like alternate alternate universe where Harry everything is exactly the same, but Harry Potter wears transition glasses so that they go from sunglasses <laughs> to regular glasses. And they were like, this obviously wouldn't work because J.K. Rowling uh, is against transition. <laughs> and I loved it. What a great joke. That's a good joke. We hate her. <laughs> yeah, she sucks, man. But um, unfortunately, anyways. the books are good. Uh, great. Uh, well, the books have some plot holes. Um, yeah. The, char- the characters are great. The setting, the world building is great. It's great. Um, but every book has to end with Dumbledore like explaining things for a full chapter, and you think it's not going to happen in book seven because he's dead, but guess what? We go to the <laughs> fucking afterlife, and he explains everything. Is it the afterlife, or is it in Harry's head? Hmm, well, of course it's in his head, but does that mean it's not real? We have derailed because that is what this movie does. It derails your life because you'd rather be doing anything else. Yeah, let's skip ahead a little bit. So they move to Jersey. There's a little, uh, there's a very long montage that's a Kodachrome by Paul Simon. 
Connie, the daughter, that's obviously a play on the word cone. Uh, what? <laughs> I didn't notice. Is, uh, is 16 now, um, and, you know, her, her father, Dan Aykroyd, keeps getting mad when she tries to leave the house. He's like, you are wearing far too much lip and cheek enhancement, which is what they say instead of, you're not going out with, with that makeup on your face, you know. Yeah. Um, their neighbor is uh, Jason Alexander. Like, like, Seinfeld was on for, like, four years at this point. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm surprised they didn't also have Julia Louis-Dreyfus and Seinfeld in it. And Seinfeld. Because we have uh, two, of the, two of the four. Two of the four. Um, there's also, like, we will ignite our new flame pit and char some mammal flesh, which is what they uh, say instead of barbecuing. I feel like we're probably, like, halfway through this movie at this point. Um, so I want to get to age gap discourse, um, (laughs) now. Uh, So let's talk about Chris Chris Farley. (laughs) May he rest in peace, Rest in peace. Not his best movie, I'm gonna say that. Um, (laughs) also not his worst. (laughs) Yeah, but he just, I think everyone who is so talented in this movie really just deserved better. Very stacked cast for a movie that elicited zero reaction from me. Yeah, so Chris Farley is in it. Uh, Dan Aykroyd takes his car. He's a um, student driver instructor. Yeah, yeah, he's driver's ed teacher, yeah. Because um, Sinbad gave him some tips about how to make it in America. This is not the the show How to Make It in America starring Kid Cudi and Lake Bell, but this is a movie with Sinbad in it. And he says, listen, in America, you got to look good. You got to be your own boss. You never get chained to a desk and you got to take cash only. And so that's what he did. He's a driver's ed instructor. He takes cash only. And he needed to get his car repaired for whatever reason. And Chris Farley was the car repair person. He did mention at one point he didn't finish fixing the car because he was out in the back getting a beer so i'm assuming he has beer he's drinking it he probably bought it he has to be at least 21 he's 21 um at least chris farley is like clearly in his 30s (laughs) right so so best i would say best case he is 21 and he's 21 and looks like shit (laughs) (laughs) yeah worst case he's 35 Uh, Oh, God. Regardless of whether we are in the best case or worst case, the sure case is he's horny for a 16 year old. No. Uh, 16 year old cone. 16 year old cone head. So, uh, basically, so Dan Aykroyd brings his car in and he's the mechanic and, and like, he's he's making eyes at Connie, basically. Um, They go to Subway uh, (laughs) because we had to fund this film somehow. And uh, what there's better some place than a place that has fake tuna. <laughs> at least, at least I don't associate Subway with age gap discourse uh, for any reason. But <laughs> they they go to Subway, and there's some there's definitely some very questionable visual effects here. Where yeah. this uh, is the part where I do remember watching as a child, and I thought, how did they do that? Now looking at it, it's like wow, they really did. wow. This is there's like an animation type thing where basically Connie eats an entire. Uh, 12 inch sub in one bite uh, and and that Chris Farley is visibly horny from that which is yeah. gross yeah. and then he says then he says <laughs> my mom's the only other woman I've ever known who can take a sandwich like that ew <laughs> which is worse it is worse uh, oh jeez so uh, speaking of horny, uh, speaking of horny, um, <laughs> Beldar is uh, doing his driver's ed thing, and he's getting hit on by his driving by his student, who's Jan Hooks. Yeah, and she's also older. Like, why don't you have your license already, lady? Yeah, she she's not sixteen. Like that's that's the thing. Um, she's an adult, uh, and you know I respect Jan Hooks a lot because she's someone who's career appears to have stalled because she literally just uh was too lazy and didn't care (laughs) (laughs) or so we see but she played their daughter on their season when they oh okay okay so she was the original daughter but because she was an older woman right she couldn't obviously play the daughter they had to get a real young person i wouldn't say she's 16 uh but yeah so that was like a, a nod to the cone to the cone fans from all the way back to season you're about to say to the cone heads and you're like fuck no that's already a thing yeah no the cone heads is two words those are the fans 
Um, <laughs> so yeah, but she she hits on him and she makes out with him. She, yeah, and now he did have a good line here, and I don't think it was delivered well because none of his lines were delivered well because of how this character is written. But like when he says, "It is natural to harbor certain feelings for your driving instructor," like that's kind of funny. That is funny. Uh, My driving instructor smelled really bad, and he made me go through the Wendy's drive-through. Oh, that's that was, that was pretty weird. Yeah, um, he's like, "You need to practice this." I was like, "Yeah," and he was right. <laughs> It is the place I have driven the most in the past, oh, I don't know, 18 months? Yeah, same here. Taco Bell. What up, Taco Bell? Uh, Anyway, we're derailing again. Yeah, it's fine. There's not a lot going on in this movie. Okay, so basically, Chris Farley wants to fuck Connie. His character's name is Ronnie, by the way, which, if you're writing a fucking movie, don't do that. (laughs) Like, Yeah. Come up with another name. There's a lot of names. Um, Gee, Betty, obviously, I'm really excited about going to the grocery store with you later. It's like that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, and and just like you know, the Dan Aykroyd's telling Connie like Earth boys only care about one thing or whatever. Um, yeah, and uh, I don't know. We just keep going on. There, the one time I laughed was the country club. Um, where they go golfing, um, and when I say they, I mean Jason Alexander and Dan Aykroyd go golfing, and someone else is yelling, hey, what's with your head? What's with your head? <laughs> like, the first guy that noticed, and Jason Alexander's like, ignore him, he's not a member here. Like, <laughs> that was really good. That well, was a good gag. That was a good gag. You know, they could have probably, you know, cut this movie down by 86 minutes. <laughs> That would have been it. But uh, but how how would you feel about paying two ninety nine to rent a four minute movie? <laughs> I would you know if, if it's for the podcast I'll do anything because it's a write off. Yeah. Anyway, so okay, we haven't really touched upon Jane Curtin much because you know Dan Aykroyd's got his conflict, which is he doesn't really want his daughter to grow up, and you know he's trying to make it in America. And then the daughter's conflict is that she has her uh, earthling boyfriend and her dad just doesn't understand. So Mm -hmm. where does Jane Curtin fit into all of this? Oh, she's an insecure housewife who (laughs) wants to spice things up in her marriage because he doesn't give her anything, really. Yeah. Because Say what you will about SNL. They can write great women characters. <laughs> really. So, you know, she's out there, you know, talking to her friends who are really insecure and reading Cosmo and trying to, you know, spice things up. And that's her entire conflict. Yeah. So she, she sees Jan Hooks at the grocery store. She's like, damn, I got to seduce uh, Beldar to save my marriage. And so the way Coneheads have sex is they have special rings that they put around their cones. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And so they, we have that scene. I guess that's something. Yeah, um, it's not like MacGruber. Yeah, it's no, it's no MacGruber it's sex no MacGruber. scene. Nothing can Jesus. touch that. Uh, nothing, nothing will ever come close to that sex scene. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but basically, um, so we're moving. I say, let's just fucking go to Act Three at this okay. point. Um, yeah. I, I and S comes back. Oh, God. Um, to tracks them down right and this has been michael mckeon's personal vendetta because not being able to close this case has like fucked over his career like he's missed out on a promotion because of it yeah Um, well because he was truthful and he said that they were not just quote-unquote illegal aliens which is what people used to call undocumented people this mm-hmm. is, uh, he, they, he was like, no, they're really aliens from outer space. And yeah. he's become a mockery. Yeah, and still, and still call them that. But, like, it's called your A number, right, when you, when you get uh, a visa because the A is for alien. It's, it, our system's fucked up. Uh, it's gotten yeah, worse since so Conan. Oh, God. It's gotten worse yeah, since um, In any event. If anything, Conan in, in any made event. it worse. Yeah, uh, other just quick side notes on ice here. There is a scene where Michael McKeon is just yelling through a megaphone at a boat, uh, presumably <laughs> trying to, like, cross, uh, I assume, the Rio Grande or something into the United States, or maybe trying to cross in from Canada. But he's just yelling, there is no work for you in the United States. Yeah, um, I think his whole argument is based on immigrants stealing American jobs. 
It's jobs. Yes. Yes. There, there, yeah. but which, you know, uh, <laughs> there, there's some problems, uh, certainly today with saying like, they're coming in and stealing our jobs. Uh, there were also problems with saying that in 1993. Yeah. Yeah. It's very interesting. You know, I never thought that SNL would be the establishment that I would turn to for commentary <laughs> on immigration, but it, here we are. Yeah. Um, so actually, yeah. So good for you, SNL. Um, so, uh, so anyways, while ice is about to raid their house, the big, uh, interplanetary phone rings and it's finally time to go back to Remulac. The other coneheads have arrived, but Connie doesn't want to go. Well, yeah, because she's got a boyfriend. It's prom night. It's prom night. She wants to fuck Chris Farley. (laughs) They try to fuck while... Soul to Squeeze by the Red Hot Chili Peppers yeah. is playing in the background. 1993, baby. 1993. And, and the Coneheads are in the music video for this song. Are they really? Yes. Oh, I have to see that. I'm going to go on YouTube later. Uh, yeah, uh, they, yeah. but, you know, they get, they get walked in on while they're fucking? Well, <laughs> while, while Connie is trying to get Chris Farley to fuck her, she hands him the fuck ring right which is not it's not like it it's looks not like a, like a christmas garland it, right it look yes it looks like something you would wear on saint lucy's day if you were a fucking american girl doll and so <laughs> the, <laughs> so so it's big it's bigger than a cock ring is what i'm trying to say so he she gives him the ring and she's like put it on my cone and that's when her parents walk in on her yeah and he's all sweaty it's a lot there's a lot going yeah. on a lot implied but he's like we gotta go because the authority figures are outside aka ice and they she they have no choice and so they they have to escape through uh did we even talk about how the conehead man threatened chris farley at one point who cares it doesn't matter. It, they go back to the fucking planet is what happened. Yeah. Now I'm mad. Now I'm getting mad. <laughs> We're getting mad because... <laughs> the planet, but Michael McKeon and David Spade are, Get sucked up with them. They get yeah. sucked up with them. So now and, they're all on Remulac. And uh, now we're in space. And now we're in space. Like, like, I don't say this a lot with movies I watch, but going like, oh, we're in space now. Like, yeah. just... So yeah, we... that's kind of like when I watch Fast the Furious Nine, <laughs> <laughs> so, but like a different, but different sentiment, which was like, "Oh, we're in space now!" Right, right. There, it's awesome. Yeah. Um, so and it's and it's like but Conan, you know it's, it's like that it's family. A, it's about. Okay. <laughs> 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 we both got there at the same we time. We both got there. Good. Oh, this episode was worth it. I take back everything I said. <laughs> so look, I like I was I was working on like finalizing the pricing for the book at this point. Like I was I was loading stuff into the Amazon system, like to be like I got a book coming out next week. Like I gotta do this. Um, so I was only, like, kind of half-watching the Fighting the Garthok, which is the Ray Harryhausen-esque, um, monster. Yeah, that... yeah, so the reason why he has to is because if you commit treason, you have to fight this monster. And so Tim Meadows dies as a, co- he's a conehead. Yes, and yes. he, 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 I forgot what his job is, but he dies. And then, but what happens is, is, uh, Danny Aykroyd got caps on his pointy teeth, and that was yes. considered treason, and that's why he had to fight the monster a really totally valid reason yeah it makes sense yeah and so he he fights him by using a uh a pop radio hit from earth yeah tainted love yes to distract the animal and then pokes him in the eye yeah he hits him with a pointy stick yeah um so that's 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 it (laughs) uh and then the coneheads are like okay well now it's time to invade earth um and basically what happens here is dan Aykroyd and jane Curtin get there first and kind of fake uh fake that they're being attacked by earthlings to scare the rest of the coneheads away yeah and then they all leave and then then michael mckeon's still fucking there and dan Aykroyd's like we won't kill you if you give us green cards 
Right, and, and he has an electric collar on, similar to yes. what he wanted to put on the uh, illegal Poetic aliens. justice, yeah. Yeah, so, and they control him, and so he's like, sure, I'll do Yeah. That. I will say, if you're in that position of leverage, I would just ask to be naturalized. Like, I ah. think... <laughs> I, think <laughs> I think you can go one step beyond green card. <laughs> you know, I think this, like, like a lot of these movies, this was the first draft. First draft, yeah, first draft, and, you know, I don't know how stoned... Uh, the writers were with this. I think uh, they weren't stoned enough because you that that is a good to, point. Yeah, you got to get stoned to make the concept. But if you want to be, you have to continue the funny. You got to be more stoned. I don't think they were stoned. Yeah. So uh, it ends with I don't know. She goes to Connie goes to prom again. Does she go to prom twice? Jesus fucking Christ. I don't know. I stopped uh, paying attention. I was like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> look, guys. Here's the thing. Um, we've done. Almost all of the actual SNL movies at this point. I think we've done seven out of the nine. Yeah. Uh, this one's, uh, I would say, towards the bottom of yeah. the list. Not at the bottom, though. Not at the bottom. Not at the bottom. Uh, but towards the bottom. I would say this is, by and large, a waste of time. Um, I feel <laughs> like they maybe were planning to adapt a more current sketch, and that idea somehow fell through. And, the, and then they were like, well, shit, I guess we'll do cone heads. Um, and so that, uh, like, uh, like, what, like, I, I would rather see, like, a Bill Clinton movie starring Phil Hartman from 1993. Like, oh, that's pretty good. I mean, they like, are doing the, the Ryan Murphy impeachment. Oh, yeah, the American Crime Story. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, like, I, I mean, like. Sarah Paulson's Linda Tripp, and it's like, <laughs> Ryan Murphy needs to learn that there's more than eight actors uh, in Hollywood. Listen, when you make friends with somebody who wants to hire you, good for yeah, you. Yeah, I know, anything, I know, no. This episode is the pro-Sarah Paulson good for no, you episode. Nothing, nothing but respect for Sarah Paulson, let me be absolutely yeah. clear. Star <laughs> of previous selection, the other sister. Uh, nothing but... She really but, did the best. But with what she had, I think that's that's the lesson in all of this yeah. is that you know you do the best with what you have. Yes, and speaking of doing the best with what you have, it's time for our favorite segment. Uh, these movies, uh, of course, are meant to be springboards for SNL cast members into the world of film, uh, and uh, we want to take a look at how uh, they actually worked at doing that in uh, a segment we call "Good for Them." And so uh, we already talked about Dan Aykroyd uh, on the Blues Brothers episode, and obviously he uh, became very successful uh, in uh, for a long time in his career. I would say Coneheads was kind of getting closer to the end of most of the movies he was making, mm-hmm. um, although I think Crossroads would have been after this. Hell yeah, uh, and My Girl, was he was the dad in My Girl, wasn't he? Yeah, that would have been... Probably a couple years after. That would have been, like, 95, maybe, I think. Yeah, and he's going to be in the new Ghostbusters again. So. Yeah, oh, good, they're making a new Ghostbusters. Yeah, I'm going to uh, kid from Stranger Things, the only child actor that's working. Uh, so <laughs> we're not. Uh, and then and then he uh, and then he owned he owns House of Blues or he owned House of Blues, so he made a boatload of money off of that as well. Uh, so instead I want to uh, talk about Jane Curtin briefly. Um, who, Hell yeah. Uh, as I said earlier, uh, was named the Queen of Deadpan by CBS News, um, and, and famously was one of the, I think, the first female host of Weekend Update, period, mm-hmm. um, and uh, co-hosted with Dan Aykroyd, famously the line, Jane, you ignorant slut, uh, from there. Um, and uh, But the other thing, and I did not know this, um, it, it, Jane Curtin has won two Emmy Awards for acting. Uh, That's right. For, for a sitcom I had never heard of uh, called Kate and Allie. Um, and this is uh, a show where Jane Curtin and Susan St. James played, uh, each played divorced moms, right? So they were moms, they each got divorced, and they decided, uh, to make their post-divorce life work by moving in with each other and kind of moving in with their kids and combining their families that way. Um, it was a show on CBS, and CBS really, really wanted to make it clear that these women were not gay with each other at all. <laughs> yeah. Women definitely were not gay. And so, CBS required, this is true, that at the end of each episode, we see Jane Curtin and Susan St. James walk into separate bedrooms at the end of the night. 
so that listen, we knew. I'm all about, listen, I'm all about the kids these days wanting things to be gay. I love that. I love that. But, you know, more and more as I get older, I'm realizing that perhaps if I did move into a house with all of my friends, wouldn't that be really fucking fun? <laughs> so, like, I'm all about that. I think that's a really great uh, uh, concept for a show. Obviously, not a lot of people saw it because nobody remembers what this fucking show was. I, I was about to say, one, two Emmy Awards for a series I had never watched and I, I had no idea it ever existed. Although I suppose, like, Boston Legal won acting awards and nobody watched that. Yeah. Uh, so. <laughs> That's true. But she was also in one of my all time favorite shows and was nominated for Emmys for this. It was Third Rock from the Sun. Of course, yes. A classic. What an incredible With show. A stacked cast. Very stacked cast. Incredible. John Lithgow at his best. Yes. And I would say uh, Joseph Gordon Levitt at his worst, would we say? No, he was fine. <laughs> okay. His hair was at his worst, for sure. <laughs> that was when it was really long. Um, so for uh, doing tremendous acting work in two series, one of which we've never heard of, but. <laughs> which broke down barriers in terms of women definitely not fucking each other. No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, good for you. Good for you. Jane Curtin, I love you. I think she is so talented and great. And I don't I don't know if she's done anything recently. I would say she, uh, this movie is a terrible showcase of her talent. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and not, not only, like, is her character obviously not enough to sustain a 90-minute film, she just doesn't have anything to fucking do in this movie. Yeah. Like, it's really acrid show for most of it. Yeah, but even then, he can't really do much because he can't emote in any way. So, I don't know. It's not... The only... It's interesting that Connie can emote. Yeah, the teen, right? But that's because yeah. she's moody. That's because she, she she's a teen. Because, you know, like, let's say you're a British family and you're living in America. More often than not, your child will have a British accent because that is the sound that was in... They grow up it, with. Right. It was in the home, and that's how they learned their language. So you would think that Connie would also speak that way, but she was very, like, California-Americanized as a child. So something's mm -hmm. fucky there. I don't like that. They clearly didn't put a lot of effort into this. <laughs> oh, you don't think they put a lot of effort into Conehead's, into, <laughs> into the sketch they dusted off 14 years of fucking dust and were like, what can we shit out that will maybe be another Wayne's World? <laughs> You know, I think, you know, Danny Aykroyd, he's very talented. And I think, you know, he probably was the one who was like, I want to do it. I'm sure he wanted to do it. You keep calling him Danny, and I'm not at that level in our relationship with Danny Aykroyd. <laughs> I just love him. He, I think, I think of him as like, he and Bob Odenkirk are the white dads I never had. Mm-hmm. Oh, like, we didn't talk about Bob Odenkirk either. I, oh, I'm so yeah. glad he's okay. Thank, thank God, Bob Odenkirk. We're, we love you so much. We love you so much. Uh, I was so stressed out that whole day. I didn't even work. Not that I worked yeah. anyway. <laughs> yeah, I was, uh, yeah, oh, I turned in a half-assed performance at my job and a real <laughs> fucking change of pace. I was just reloading Twitter being like, I hope he's okay, I hope he's okay. Being very, watching Mr. Show on YouTube. What, yeah. a, what a guy. So glad that he's fine. But he yeah. gave us quite a scare. He is America's get, favorite guy. You, you get, it, there's, it, it can't say a single bit. And, and the influence he has had, now we're just going on another tangent, but I don't care because it's a good one. The influence he has had, um, obviously, like, because he wrote for SNL and because he made Mr. Show is right. huge. But, like, you think of all the talent that he was responsible for yeah. developing, like, First, Mr. Show alone. First of all, if there's no Mr. Show, there's no fucking Scott Aukerman. I'll tell you that. That's true. Um, and uh, there, you know, there's no like Paul F. Tompkins. Uh, and then if you look at like how Bob Odenkirk found like Tim and Eric and like put their first show on the air and like <laughs> did stuff like that. I mean, it's it's um, and then it's, took I mean, a even... turn as a dramatic actor, not and became that. a great dramatic actor, and not only that, but got his own spinoff, and then turned into a leading man in an action movie. Incredible! What an incredible man! And everybody, the funny thing is, is that for the most part, nobody really knows who he is unless you really know who he is. Right. And I think that right. is the perfect level of fame. And he's got the perfect level of talent because people are like, oh, yeah, it's that one guy from that one thing. But, yeah. like, for those of us who are, like, obsessed with him, we're like, yeah, he's, so, he's a chameleon. 
Bob Odenkirk, we wish you good health. We wish you doubles of good health. We wish you triples of good health. Oh triples is safest. Triples is best. Quadruples to safest. Oh, my God. Uh, uh, so I do want to talk about the director of this film real quick. Okay. Um, S- Steve Barron, who is not Steve Bannon, uh, <laughs> had to do a little double take on that credit. Um, I, the man has not directed a ton of movies. Um, he directed the he directed the the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. Hell actually. yeah, pizza, um, pizza. But um, he's directed music videos and like really fucking famous music videos. No way, um, which ones? Uh, Billie Jean, which is the first music video by a black artist to ever be on MTV. Uh, Africa by Toto, the original Africa. And actually he's done several videos by Toto, Toto, but obviously, um, Africa is the only one that counts. Um, and then Take On Me by AHA. Oh my God. I love that video. Yeah. What happened? Yeah, so, uh, Steve Barron, right? Yeah, Steve Barron. Oh, yeah, you gotta double-check <laughs> that one. Having such a having such an impressive resume before doing Coneheads, uh, but still having Coneheads on your known-for in the IMDb, <laughs> <laughs> IMDb page, good for you. Good for you, wow. Yeah. Well, so, um, was there commonsensemedia.org on this one? Or? No. Um, no. People, you know, they... <laughs> the, they mostly people were uh, annoyed with the cone sex wreaths. <laughs> um, they were like, "What's that about?" And the smoking, because there is one scene where Dan Aykroyd, Danny, he takes out an entire packet of cigarettes and smokes it. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were mad about that, but for the most part, nobody. There was no substantial review that I got excited about. So. Okay. I, I figured our review was the most important thing. And it's not that important, but you're still correct. <laughs> yeah, we do this for fun. Um, yeah. But yeah, the, I, I, final thoughts about the movie is um, it was fine. I forgot I was, it already. I was bored, honestly. Yeah. And uh, I'm never going to think. The minute I hit stop recording, I'm never going to think about this again. <laughs> Well, you have to because we have to uh, advertise for this. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, we're going to have to plug this. Yeah. yeah um, sorry. So I, I put in a little insert uh, in, in every copy of my new book that ships out that's like, if you like this, uh, listen to Tony and his friend Nadia talk about every SNL movie on Probably Should Have. Yeah. Unfortunately, we have a really shitty one coming up. Yeah. Next week's going to be brutal, folks. <laughs> yeah. But then after that, I think we're going to be okay. We got we got clear sail. If we can get through next week, I think we got some clear sailing coming up. Yeah, yeah. Except uh, for the the finale, which we're very and excited and about. then yeah, and the so it, basically, folks, we've already planned out the rest of the season, and we have made decisions based on what will be funniest for you, the <laughs> listeners. Um, even if those decisions cause us significant psychic harm. Yeah. Please note that uh, we think it'll be funniest, but that doesn't guarantee it. So, doesn't care. We are not committing to that. We're not committing uh, to that. We d- don't give them false hope or false promises because now I think you're setting the bar a little too high. Yeah. So uh, enjoy, uh, enjoy this. I hope you enjoyed this episode of us dicking around for another ninety minutes. <laughs> well, this is the most tangents we've ever gone on, but they were pretty fun. They're pretty good. Uh, probably should have Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We'll see you next week. Bye. Goodbye. So long. Turn off, turn off your device so that you can go and do your work in this capitalist hellscape that we live in. I know you're not doing any work. You're procrastinating. Okay, bye. I've got a bad disease Up from my brain and where I breathe Insanity it seems It's got me by my soul to squeeze Well, all the love from me With all the dying trees I scream The angels in my dreams I've turned the demon to greed That's me 
just don't know. I've got to, got to, got to take it slow. When I find my peace of mind, I'm gonna give you some of my good time. Today, let's smile on me. It took away my pain, say please, or let your ride be free. You gotta let it be, oh yeah. Where I go, I just don't know. I've got to, got to, gotta take it slow. When I Some of my good 